1: And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 11th, episode 2617. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World.
0: It's training day on Horses in the Morning. Listen to Mary Kitzmiller and Coach Jen. Make horse training sound easy until you get to the barn yourself, then replay it a second time.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the second Thursday of the month where, as we alluded to a moment ago, Mary and I get to geek out on all things horse training. I don't know if we make it sound easy. We try to make it sound fun. We try to sound like we
1: know what we're doing. (laughs) That's that's, that's as close as I can come to making it sound easy.
2: (laughs) Well, we, we use a lot of their, oh, been there, done that. This is what I tried. We did a lot of that.
1: Yes. Yes, that is one thing we do have is we can relate. Um, you're not worth your salt as a trainer if you can't look at a situation and think, oh, I've, I've been there. Um, <laughs> yes, I've been that, there. That got me launched from the saddle once or twice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, here's the things I tried and that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Those. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we we geek out on all things training. And what we do on this m- This second Thursday of every month episode is we take questions from listeners and specifically we take questions from auditor listeners. And if you're not an auditor and you're listening to this show, you need to be to become an auditor of the Horse Radio Network shows and get to ask questions of Mary and other hosts on the shows. What you need to do is go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner. It's usually on the right-hand side of the page, but if you're listening to this show in 2025, it may have moved to a different spot. So just look for the Become an Auditor or Auditor banner, and you can join the fun for as little as a couple of bucks a month. You get to help support Horse Radio Network programming and enjoy all kinds of cool perks, and all those perks are listed there on the webpage. And we always start out the show each and every month with Mary's training tip, and often The training tip is predicated by an event or moment in your right right life recently. So what is our tip? And uh, was there
1: a particular uh, watershed moment that caused you to have this training tip? Uh, This one is inspired by the auditor questions because there are quite a few of them that are following the same theme, you know, of... Uh, my horse wants to do this and I do not want him to do that. Uh, what do I do? Like if your horse is trying to, uh, you know, they're a little strong on the bridle and they want to pick up a trot and you don't want them to pick up a trot and you're trying to figure out how to, um, how to get that to, uh, work in your favor. And this is something that I learned, um, riding Western performance horses. So, uh, when you're working with reining horses or you're doing ranch riding, um, you're, you're trying to show a horse, and you'll see this come up in a lot of rule books, a horse that is willingly guided. Actually, uh, it, in some rule books, it states willfully guided, which drives me nuts because I, I don't think that's actually the correct term. So I use willingly guided. They They look like... You know, you're, you're riding them, you're telling them where to go, and they're kind of one with you, and it's just a really pretty picture to watch. It almost looks like you guys are just reading each other's minds, and you both have the same goal. And so one of the kind of hallmarks of a really nice uh, going Western horse is the ability to ride them on a loose rein. Now, some of Western events have gotten really stylized, like in the Western Pleasure, you'll see this huge drape in the rain, Um, but for the most part, you know, a good Western all-around performance horse, um, the reins don't have to be thrown away, but you want to see just a little bit of slack in that rain at least, and a horse that um, is not having to be micromanaged or held into position, Um, so... How do you get that to happen? How do you get that really pretty looking in product to where you're riding your horse one-handed on a loose rein and it just flows and looks really great? And how you do this, you don't just ride a horse for two or three years and then say, okay, you're, you're broke now, you're a finished horse, so now I'm going to start throwing away the rein or giving you some rein and see what happens. You've got to start doing that as early as you can uh, when it's safe to do so. Um, so when I'm writing a cult for the first, you know, year or two of training, I'm doing a lot of placing him where I want him to be and then releasing. And what that teaches the cult is I'm giving him a very clear, here's the position I want you in. Because when you find that position, you get relief. From my aids, I'm going to be softer with my legs, softer with my reins. In some cases, I will I will give you a complete loose rein, or I might let you stop riding for a moment. But I give my horse a very clear yes. This is exactly where I want you. Now, this can be tricky if you are riding, uh, especially if you're riding a hot horse and a horse that you know as soon as you give him an inch or two of rain, he is going to break into that trot again, or he's going to, uh, you know, go sideways or, or whatever. Um, and so we tend to get in this, uh, rut of holding him in place and not giving him any freedom of movement or freedom of choice. And we're just trying to keep bad things from happening. Um, so if you do that, he's going to start coming, um becoming very dull to your aids and this is where you get in this kind of uh almost an arms race of your horse gets stronger so then you get a stronger bit so then your horse gets stronger on that bit so then you get a stronger bit or training aid maybe you put on draw reins or you use a martingale or whatever and he just learns to kind of Go through that pressure even more until you can, you know, it, it, you can end up in a very bad place with your horse. So we want to prevent that from happening. I have nothing against uh, most training aids, um, but you want to make sure you're not trying to micromanage or force your horse into doing what you want. So as I'm riding a colt around, um, and you know, I find him in the position I want. So let's say I want him at a trot. And and he's going in a straight line. If he's doing those two things I'm asking for him to do, I'm going to loosen my reins and I'm going to not harp on him with my legs so much. And I'm going to see what happens. And if it's a lazy horse, you know, maybe it took uh, quite a bit of leg to get him into a trot. But as soon as he gets there, this is the gate. I wanted, this is the speed of the gate that I wanted. I'm going to relax my legs. I'm not going to quit riding completely because the way I ride, if I completely stop riding, the horse should stop too. But I am going to lighten my legs and lighten my reins and lighten my aids. I'm not going to keep asking, 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 cluck, 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 kick, 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 you know, or whatever. Once he gets there, I'm going to say, this is where I want you. So I'm going to release my aids and let him feel good for being there. Now, if it's a particularly lazy horse, he might hold this trot for two strides and then plunk back into a walk or even come to a stop. That is fine. I will completely let that happen. And then once he falls out of gate, then I'm going to just reapply my AIDS and say, no, that is not where I want you. I'm not going to punish him. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be mean to him or be aggressive. But I will use my AIDS until I get him back to trot. So I might have to use some leg. I might, you know, I, I, I might have to use a crop or whatever. Um, but I'm just going to be very methodical. If no, I would like you at a trot, ask him to trot. And then once he gets to the trot again, I'm going to release my aids and say, yes, this is where I want you. And I don't care if I have to do that 400 times in a ride. And I'm when I'm doing this, you know, some horses are so pokey for whatever reason that, you know, even holding two or three strides at a trot without me harping on them can be monumental. So let's say I've done this 400 times. I ask you to trot, you get to the trot, I, I relax my aids, you fall back into a walk. I'm gonna um, ask, you know, I'll just do it over and over again. And then one of these times, that horse will be trotting forward. And it, this is like my favorite part in horse training. They will, I'll see the wheels moving. I'll feel them slow down and I will give them a chance. I'll I'll just say, okay, you know, see see what happens when you make this choice. I'll feel them slow down and then they'll catch themselves and go, "Mm, no, I'm going to keep trotting. So instead of maybe I could only get two or three strides at a trot before this time I got four or five. When that finally happens, that's when I go for that big release. I will completely, you know, I will ask them to stop and say, yes, you gave me some try. I might even, if it's, if it was a real big challenge to even get that, I might even get off for the day and loosen the girth and say, yeah, if you just give me a little try, I'm going to give you the world. And So then the next day, maybe I can get six or seven strides without having to micromanage and then seven or eight and then 10 or 20. And then pretty soon that horse can trot around for 20 minutes and he is doing it on his own. He is in charge of his job and he knows what his job is and how you get trot and micromanage. Um, you have to show him, this is what I want you to do. This is what I don't want you to do. And again, I don't do, I, I try not to think in terms of punishment um, or, or harassment. I'm very methodical of, oh, you know, you made the mistake. You broke into a walk. I didn't want you to walk. We're going to trot again. So that's very interesting, especially with with young horses
2: or green horses or horses who are learning new to them skills, the whole process of, okay, we've established what the Q is for behavior X, Y, or Z. Uh, and let's see if, let's see if you can make that. So what, let's say you have a, a broke horse, a horse that knows how to do things. Uh-huh. And you're trying to get that horse to, um, what's the word I want? Refine a skill. Okay, the horse knows how to trot. He knows how to trot. Mm-hmm. But you're really trying to get him to trot slower. So, talk me to me a little bit about the process of allowing the horse to trot faster than the pace that we want and then what you would do to say, "Okay, you trotted too fast. Now come back to where I want to be." And then how do you know when to say, "Okay, you, can you do this without me saying trot this speed?
1: Talk to me a little bit about how that might look. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And it's where a lot of us can get stuck. I know I had uh, to make this big leap in knowledge when I went from starting Colts, which is I'm just happy you stayed in the arena and I'm still on <laughs> you To Okay what about collection and, you know, and, and some of the more refined things and, you know, within the trot itself, you have a million different variations in gait. You can have your extended trot and your working trot and your collected trot and your jog and da, 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 da. So how do I get him to hold a specific kind of trot? And this is where it starts getting really fun to work on. And you start having to really ask yourself, what am I looking for? And I think, and I suffer from this all the time. No one's immune to it. Sometimes we're riding around and we need to ask ourselves, what do I want? Sometimes we don't know. Um, And, you know, you might just be doing what your trainer told you to do or you kind of have an idea – But if you don't have a specific picture in your head of this is what I want to happen, then you will not know when to reward your horse. And how's your horse going to know? So uh, like if I want a certain speed, um, I will, you know, I'll I'll be working my horse in the trot and say, well, this is nice. We're trotting, but I, I really would like it to slow down and start working toward maybe some collection and going on the bridle. Um, there's lots of different things I can do to get him there. I can simply, you know, apply half halts and kind of rein him back with my reins. Um, usually before I go to that, uh, to using two reins to get them to that trot, I'll do a lot of lateral work at the trot. So I like to do serpentines and circles and figure eights and loop de loops and, Um, in order for a horse to trot, um, and have some bend in his trot and trot on the circle, he's going to have to start sitting back on his haunches a little bit in order to maintain that trot. And he, and he will naturally have to slow down because it's really hard for him to do a jackhammer extended trot if he's in a circle. So I like to do a lot of lateral work for that reason. So, um, if he's trotting too fast, I might just, Trot him in a nice, big, lazy serpentine that kind of takes up half my arena or circles. I'm very non-structured with. It doesn't have to be a specific pattern. And get him to really soften to that inside rein and soften around my, my leg. And what will naturally happen is he'll slow down. And then when that happens, I will say, oh, you know what? That was great. You worked really hard um, and got that really pretty, slow, flowy trot. I'm going to let you just trot straight for a little while on a loose rein. And what might happen is the same thing I was explaining earlier. They might hold that really soft, pretty trot for a stride or two and then go back to jackhammer trot. That's way too fast. That's okay. You know, I'll I'll let him loose on a loose rein where, you know, just let's ride to that corner over there. We don't have to be going anywhere specific. I'm just going to leave you alone for a second in that trot and release my reins. And you're not going to have to work as hard for a few minutes. And they might maintain that nice slow trot for a couple of strides and then speed up again. So then I'll say, okay, you've got a lot of energy. Let's use that energy for lateral. And I'll do go back to my big loopy, curvy serpentines, ask them to really soften around that leg and soften to that inside brain. Usually at this point, I'm not doing too much with both reins. Eventually I'll get into that. I'll start going to that outside rein. But, you know, let's say he's a colt with maybe 60 rides. So I'm still very much riding one rein or the other. And I even do this with more finished horses. Um, Really get them to soften to each rein. And then they'll be soft on both reins. Um, So then I'll go back into that big lazy serpentine figure eights, whatever, and he'll have to slow down um, in order to, to soften. And then when he does that, I'll say, ah, that was great. Now let's go right to this corner. And eventually he'll realize, oh, when I trot in a certain way, we're just doing a nice straight line. I'm not having to work as hard. I'm not having to bend as much, um, and really concentrate. So I'm going to stay in that trot and pretty soon, you know, and, and I don't expect to get this conquered in a ride. It might take 30 rides, Um, But pretty soon he's going to find that natural, slow, really pretty trot without me having to hold him in that trot. Um, And then, you know, from there, once I really start perfecting my gates and getting that to where that horse knows, hey, my person told me to trot. I'm going to keep trotting until they tell me to do something else. Um, then I can start getting into the fun stuff of now. I want you to do it on on you know on the bit and soften into that form, and start working towards that collection, and do our pretty lateral maneuvers like leg yielding and two tracking, which is the same thing. Um, and uh, and that's so each time you are working with your horse, you you're going to tack on a new thing and a new thing, and that's how you get your horse to where you're riding them, you know, on contact with both reins, both leg aids at the speed you want. That is that beautiful finished, like collected trot. That is a combination of many tiny little things. And so I tend to really like to isolate you know Things from speed control, um, maintaining a gait, uh, softening to one rein and then the other, softening to one leg and then the other. And th- then I can bring it all together. And that's where my horse is on the bit. A lot of times we're trying to do the ending first. We're trying to hold them in that collected trot when they don't even know how to trot, period, without us <laughs> bugging them. You got to get, you get your gas pedal working. And one more thing I'll say about this, and it's something that sticks in my head. It's a good analogy. Someone I used to work for, he would help people break this down to the most basic thing of we're going to teach our horse to trot until we tell them to do something else. And so he would say, you know, um, so my horse is trotting around on a loose rein. I'm not having to constantly kick him in that trot or keep him in that trot or hold him in that trot if he's trying to go too fast. And if I had a heart attack up here in the saddle and died, you should find him two days later still trotting because he hasn't been told to do something else. <laughs> and... Uh- so that it's a very extreme analogy, obviously, but that helps me kind of that helps my brain say, okay, I at some point the horse has to be a big boy, and I told him to do this, and he should do this until he's told to do otherwise. And it takes time to get there. You know, be forgiving of your horse, forgiving of yourself, and give them the chance to succeed and allow them to make a mistake. And if they make a mistake, that's all right. Show them where they need to be.
2: There you go, great stuff. And we're gonna come back with lots more training helpful hints right after we have a a little song break now earlier mary i promised that we were going to have a horse that can fly with templeton thompson but i changed my mind considering how my ride went the other day on nigel i decided to go with riding wild ponies with jared rogerson (laughs)
1: lovely
0: Said I need to find a girl and settle down It's a secret to a happy life Now I'm feeling pretty good Man, he must have been right I just found
2: You go. Jared Rogerson riding around the world and getting into mischief. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Now, speaking of wild ponies, how many ponies does Mary Kitzmiller have, wild and otherwise?
1: You know, I don't count. Oh, like, Mary. I think like 20. 20. <laughs> what, it's a hard acres, 20? It's 40 acres, 20. That's okay. I have a handful of donkeys. So they're like a two for one. All right. Type of deal. How (laughs) how many goats? Uh, I have two goats, and they're both called baby goats. Um, So that's kind of confusing, but there you have it. Are both baby goats brown?
2: Yes. That's why, (laughs) because either or, it doesn't matter which one you've come across, you know which one it is. Well, I ask this because many of us who have at least – many of us who have more than one horse or equid, and pretty much all of us do – they're never the same size or shape. They come in different sizes and shapes. So that way they can't share anything because, you know, that's what happens. So I'm, I suspect that your quarter horses are very different shapes than your Mustangs. Yes,
1: they yes. Are. They
2: are, yes. This is true. Well, I wanted to mention that horseware, yeah, those are the folks who make the Rambo blankets and the Amigo blankets and the Bravo blankets. They make blankets and sheets and coolers. For all different shapes of horses, they have the Bravo XLs, which are made for your tank-shaped horses. And they even have the petite line. And they're made specifically for minis because just it's not just the size of the blanket. It's the shape of the blanket that helps it fit your horse. So they make the petite ones just shaped like minis it's really cute and then they have the xls which are shaped for the big tank like horses i think nigel has to look into those because he's kind of tank shaped
1: so uh that is something i'm really talented at is i can look at a horse because i worked in a reining barn and they were all quarter horses but we had to have a huge range in sizes because they were all shaped different and had different lengths and you know when you're trying to keep your horse slick in the in the winter show horse you don't want an inch of fur exposed you want them nice and warm so i've I've gotten very good at looking at one and saying ah they're an 82 or they're this size uh it's my secret talent
2: that's your secret talent i love it you could be the guy at the fair who guesses people's weights yes
1: you could do but less problematic with horses (laughs) (laughs) the horse will
2: not get insulted if you say oh you're an 84 and he's actually an 81 he will not get his nose out of joint yeah, well the horse the the people will, the horse won't. So head on over to horsewear.com and check out the wide range of shot, range of sizes, shapes, and colors of horse clothing they have there. And they also have clothing for your dog. So if you have a dog who wants to wear jammies like our Greyhound does, you can find something clever there too. So head on over to horsewear.com. dot com. Now On to our next question. Do you have a specific question from one of our dedicated listeners that you wanted to work on today? I know we got some really good ones.
1: Yeah. So, um, and this relates all to the training tip and it's very similar answer, uh, but with a bit of a different twist. Uh, So this one comes from Carly, one of our HRN auditors, and she says, when walking around the arena, Jim, which I assume is her horse, will break into the trot after mere minutes. I ran her back when she... Uh, and she walks, then tries her luck and trots. We repeat this at least two dozen times through a ride, often even tried doing full training sessions at only the walk. Same story. How can I help her settle and not constantly anticipate the trot when we are at the walk? So this is a little bit of the opposite problem of what I was talking about when I gave the example of a horse that doesn't want to hold the trot is we've got one that only wants to trot, um, And that can be very common with horses that, you know, some of your more hot-blooded horses, um, you know, getting them to be patient and want to walk. And interestingly enough, my Mustang Remy, who is the laziest fluffy horse in the world, um, he would rather trot than walk, especially when we're clicker training. He gets so excited, and I've rewarded him for the trot a lot. So now we have we play this game, especially when it's cold out, right, like we have right now. We're in a polar vortex where he wants to trot, and I want him to walk. Um, so uh, it sounds like you're on the right track, Carly. In that you know you are asking, and then you know you're trying to put your horse where you want them. Um, I, I assume you're releasing your aids when she gets to the walk, but then she wants to trot again. And that can be very frustrating. Um, and just know that that's a normal part of training where you will, um, when you're bringing a young horse along, have to say a hundred times, No, I want you to do this. No, I want you to do this. No, I want you to do this. And one of these days it will stick and the horse will go, Well, maybe I ought to do that. Um, so, for the specific question, you're wanting your horse to walk. Obviously, you're not wanting to hold them into a walk because that can cause jigging and nervousness. It can make an already anxious and hot horse more anxious and hot. Um, so there's a lot of different exercises you can do for this. Um For one thing, I, and I don't, this wasn't in your question, but I would start when you mount up, I'm willing to bet this horse wants to walk off while you're mounting. Um, so start there. Um, and I had a trainer tell me that when he gets on his horse for the first time, um, he does not get on and then walk forward. He always does something other than going forward. So that might be mounting up your horse and backing up a step or side passing a step or turning a few degrees to the left and then going forward. And it just kind of implants in that horse's brain of just because my butt hit the saddle doesn't mean we just start walking. Um, so I would start there and make sure that your horse waits for you to even start off at the walk. Uh, that can really set the right mentality for the ride. Um, now, you want to walk your horse. Obviously, you you know, you, we like to warm up the walk. We don't want our horse not warmed up and then just start trotting off because we want to prevent injuries and make sure they're nice and warmed up. Um, so what I like to do with this kind of horse, you can rein them back. That's not wrong. Um, but when you get into this, using two reins to bring the horse back, especially if it's a younger, more green horse, uh, you can end up in this tug-of-war with them to where pretty soon you are really just holding them back. And the more you hold them back, the more they want to push forward. We teach our horses to give to pressure, but it's a horse's, often it's their natural inclination to lean into pressure. Um, That's why when you're watching racehorses, you don't see their reins flapping in the breeze. Um, They're using that contact to get, that horse to go forward. And so it, it can be very natural for a horse to want to lean into our hands and push through it, especially a hot and nervous horse. So I like to do lateral with these kinds of horses. So, like I mentioned earlier about doing big, lazy serpentines, you can do this with your horse at the walk, and it is a great warm up. Um, and again, I concentrate on one rein at a time. So I will. Uh, I I like to do a serpentine exercise. I heard someone say once that this serpentine where you do these kind of big, lazy curves, left and right, lateral maneuvers, um, it's an exorcism for your horse. And, man, is it true. It can expel all the demons. Um, So I like to do this with a nervous horse, especially a young green horse who is not really used to going on the like on the bit with contact with both reins maybe he doesn't know how to collect yet or how to give to the bit in that way so I'll turn him left and soften him to my left rein and soften him to my left leg. I want him to bend around that leg and soften to the bridle. He doesn't have to get super bendy. I just want a little bit of softness. Even if I can just see his eyelashes on the inside, that's okay. I just want to feel softness. When I soften him one way and I feel him soften to the left and and give and curve around my leg, then I'll just go straight to the right. Now I'm gonna focus on now soften to my right rein. And I'll use my inside leg and ask them to soften that rib cage, soften that face. And you'll feel, you'll feel their 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 chin and their cheek and their the the you know inside of their neck might be really tight. You'll feel them just kind of give that jaw and soften. Once I feel that, then I go to the left and I just left and right and left and right. And again, it's harder for them, especially a younger horse, to trot when they're in that serpentine. Um, if they're still trying to trot through those bends, just tighten the bends up until they have to walk. And you'll feel a moment when you're doing this where they might kind of be really tense going left to right for a few moments. Um, but then you'll, you'll feel this moment where they just kind of go, <sighs> and they soften laterally and they'll settle into a walk. When that happens, then I just kind of go on a trail ride. I'll just I'll loosen my reins and just kind of let them walk on. I don't even have a direction. I just let them walk forward a little bit. Now, in the case of this horse, she might do one or two strides where you're not telling her to walk and she'll pop into the trot again that's great. I needed that energy to soften you laterally anyway. So let's use that to go back to our big loopy serpentines. And if you're, um, outside or you've got obstacles or jumps set up in your arena, you can bend them around the jump standards, bend them around cones. Or if you're outside, you could go around trees and rocks or patches of grass. And, um, you could spend an hour just doing that. And the good thing is you're not wasting time. You're teaching your horse to soften laterally and to relax. And the other thing that this naturally does with horses is it gets them to drop their pole. And I've learned over the years that if that horse drops that pole, it will naturally, it's a natural relaxation um, technique for them. The more that pole drops, they'll just start relaxing on their own. And then when I feel that moment where they're not fighting against me or they're not tense, they're not thinking about trotting and they just kind of soften into that serpentine, then I release them and let them go on for a little bit and they might go three or four strides, pick up the trot, that's okay, I soften them back into that serpentine. So there's lots of things you can do with that if your horse is a little bit more advanced. Say I'm walking them in a straight line. They pick up the trot. I will, instead of just reining them straight back, I might soften them into a leg yield and have them leg yield across the arena until they kind of settle into this soft walk as they're leg yielding. And then we go straight. So... Pretty much the gist of what I'm saying is lateral. That is the key to everything. And again, you're not wasting time. You're working on stuff that you'll want your horse to be doing. You want them to be soft laterally. And you might have to remind, 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 remind your horse for, it might take a month. And that's okay. But the key is to um go slow, let everything flow, don't be aggressive, don't punish. And then when they do find that walk, even though you know they're not going to hold it for more than a stride, relax and say, "Hey, yeah, that's what I want. I'm going to leave you alone for a second and let you figure out what to do." They pick up the trot? That's all right. I'll let them break into trot and then bring them back. Give them the freedom to see what happens when they pick up the trot.
2: There you go. And I'll toss my two cents in here. If, I, if memory serves me, Carly rides a blooded horse, thoroughbred or, or has a lot of thoroughbred in him. Uh, and something I've experienced with a number of thoroughbreds that I've had over the years is, you alluded to this earlier in your conversation, if they've been on the track or even if they've had a very traditional upbringing in English disciplines, they're used to having a lot having contact. They're ridden up into the bridle pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of these horses I've had to really, really backtrack with their training to the point that I basically start from square one in that the bridle is not there for you to hold on to unless you're asked to hold on to it and just go from square one of put the bridle and the tack on them and teach them to carry themselves without any contact. Don't put side reins on them to lunge them. Don't ride them on contact the majority of the time. Just spend the majority of your time with no contact at whatever you're doing, whether it's a walk in the arena, a hack around the back 40, a walk through the woods, a ride around the shed row to rewire their brain that my energy does not need to be contained by the bridle because the, the hot blooded horses have so much energy to begin with. They don't know what to do with it. They just, they're clueless. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's like a puppy who doesn't know how to walk on a leash. He just, it's just not part of his existence. It's like trying to talk to a, a foreign a UFO or something. So think about ways you can help rewire gems brain. That my energy needs to be contained within my own body with my own balance. It doesn't need to be contained by you. And one of the things that I learned early on when I discovered this concept, or uh, 20 years ago, was the single rein stop, even if your horse does not have a problem stopping, if your horse has brakes just fine. Yes, he breaks into a trot, or, but you know, when I need to stop, my horse can stop just fine, but he needs two reins, two legs, and a seat to do it teaching the concept of the single rein stop where the horse brings his nose around towards your foot and of his own volition without any aids from your seat or your leg comes to a halt quietly and contentedly. He doesn't go, ah, I'm stopping. And I start to champ on the bit. That process teaches the horse to use his own core to bring himself to a halt. If he can do that, he can use his core to bring himself down from a canter to a trot or a trot to a walk or a walk to a halt. He can bring his own core to change paces within a gate. So that initial skill set, go from whatever to halt, simply by bringing my nose around, he has to use his core. And then you can take that skill And start applying it to other parts might be an interesting place to start with Jim, and to start with you so you learn to feel with it. Because the first thing I had to learn when I learned what a single rain halt was or a single rain stop was how to not use my leg and seat aids to interfere with that process because my body wanted to follow him and encourage keeping him going around because, oh, inside leg, outside seat bone, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I had to stay completely neutral. So he figured out how to do the halt on his
1: own. And I just sat there, like you said, to stop riding. I had to learn how to stop writing. Yes. <laughs> that is the hardest thing to learn. And you hit on an excellent point that I haven't brought up, but it is incredibly essential. Um, Two things I'll say about it because this, this relates to a lot of our other questions and it's really important, I feel. Um, I heard, I, I don't know if it was Pat Pirelli, but I heard a clinician say, slow to pick up, quick to release. And that is it's a, think of it as a mantra. Repeat that self in your brain, especially in the moments when your horse is rushing and it can make you nervous. Um, even in an in an event where my horse is taking off and I need to bend him down to shut him down for an emergency, I will not jerk on those reins. That is the quickest way to get him to chomp down and go harder, or rear up, or freak out, or start bucking, or whatever. Um, I might have to be really firm to get that horse to bend around cause he's completely panicked, but my arm is slow and fluid. And then as soon as he finds it, finds what I'm looking for, shuts down or slows down or whatever, I'm going to release that rein. like there, that's what I need you to do. Um, so like when I, um, when I was training raining horses, Um, we gallop straight lines into that sliding stop and you do this a hundred or so times with the horse. Pretty soon that horse goes uh, a little cuckoo and is like, wee all the way down to the end. Well, if your horse is flat running off, he can't do a good sliding stop. He's got to gallop, but it's got to be focused. So if I sense that horse losing focus, I'm at one in the arena, my job is to canter him to the other end and he's got to build speed and then come to that stop. If I ask him to canter and he does two strides at a decent canter and then just takes off, I bring him to a stop immediately, but I do not jerk on him because the horse is running because he's nervous. He's hot. He's anticipating. We've done this many times before. The energy is high. That horse is nervous. So if I jerk on him or I'm quick With my hands, yeah, I might get him to a stop, but his mind is not right. He's just wired. So I might have to draw that horse into the ground right away to stop him from flat running off and to show him, no, that's not what I want. But my hands are fluid and I might have to even take a firm hold to get him to listen to me, but my hands are completely fluid the whole time. And I try to be as dispassionate about it. I try not to have fear. I try not to have anger. I'm just, nope, we need to stop right now, but I'm very, you know, neutral, and we're going to come to a stop. And the other point I want to add is when I see horses like this, and I don't think Carly's probably having any problems doing this because she's a pretty capable rider. Um, but um and and th- but this can happen to anyone. I see a horse that wants to trot, 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 trot. The owner's like, I don't want the horse to trot, 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 trot. But their body is telling the horse, trot, 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 trot. Yes. <laughs> because we tend to match our horse's energy. I don't know if you've ever been in a dressage, dressage lesson and you've ever had the frustration of your training to, trainer telling you to slow your posting down. It's like, what's and that mean? <laughs> I can't. My horse is trotting 400 beats a minute. Um, but that's what you have to do. You have to, um, you know, some people you get like, uh, you have this really electric seat and it's almost like you're shocking your horse every time you post. And so they go faster. So we match them. You have to get really Zen and make them come back to your energy. And I've brought this up a number of times before, but it's still one of the coolest pieces of horsemanship I've ever seen of the guy at this, um, we were at a cow horse show, And someone brought a hackney pony in a cart to the show, which is not what cow horses are used to seeing. And he had this little roadster pony trotting through the parking lot with a cart. And so all of these cow horses are like, what the heck is that? And are just like scatter and kind of jumping everywhere because they've seen this really weird sight. And this one guy on his horse, he did not even pick up his reins. He had this big loose rein on this horse and he just melted into that saddle, like just became jello, like a real heavy seat down into that saddle. But he was really soft with his whole body and his horse kind of jumped left and right. And then the horse kind of went, oh, you're not freaking out. Uh, maybe I don't want to freak out either. And the horse completely settled. And this guy never touched the reins. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that guy's like a Zen master." Um, <laughs> Might I so point I have out? That picture in my brain. That happened because he had a lot of good training behind it. It's not
2: magic. Yeah, you can't have yeah. you can't have a rider with an electric seat suddenly one day say, <gasps> "I'm going to be Zen in the saddle," and magically that horse who's used to you having an electric seat will become the picture of contentment it's a process train your practice yes yeah (laughs) i i'm an electric seat rider i will raise my hand and admit it that's the first step in creating and fixing the problem and it's not even a case of once you learn to do it it's there i have to constantly practice with my horse in situations that are mildly alarming Because the whole, you have to set it up, right? You have to have that adrenaline there in order to practice it. So things that are mildly alarming, I have to practice, take a deep breath. We're just gonna hang out here and we're gonna be Zen together. And it's not a case of I'm telling you to stand still while this event or situation is happening. It's a case of let's stop here and we're gonna hang together because I am really good at We're going to stand still while this exciting thing is going on. I can do that. I have the electric aids. I'm a power rider. Right? Yeah. (laughs) That's good to a point, right? (laughs) It works really well until it really doesn't. Um, So I have to remind myself, and I'm reminding myself right now because I haven't been very good about it lately. Okay, these things are, this is what's happening. We've got an adrenaline-filled moment or event happening right now, this is a good opportunity because it's not over the edge to practice the, let's just be Zen with this and let it happen because I need to do it more because I'm pretty good at it right now and he's pretty good at it right now, but I haven't been practicing it enough. And yesterday I noticed I haven't been practicing enough because the adrenaline was kind of over the top yesterday. (laughs) And I can tell I hadn't been
1: practicing (laughs) I tell you where you really learn how to do this, and not all of us have the opportunity or want the opportunity, is starting colts. And the, I have been in a few situations where I was starting colts for someone. So these were like half-cocked cutting horses that were just halter broke yesterday. And I've got a cowboy saying, get on, he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, those guys, so, like, there's there's one guy in particular, his name is Martin Black. He's been a competitor at Road to the Horse. Um, he is, like, a freaking wizard when he rides colts. And one of the reasons he's so good is he can ride a book, um, but he's so good at getting that horse to never think about it. And... He can get on with so little groundwork, not because he's just a rough, crazy cowboy. He doesn't care and wants to ride a buck. He's just so good at filling in for the horse. And, um, he, you know, he, his set of rule, you know, groundwork that he needs to get on a horse is much smaller. His list is much smaller than mine because I'm not nearly as handy in the saddle. And one of the things he, he told us, uh, we were starting colts up there a few years ago. Uh, he said, be invisible in the saddle. And just that, that word be invisible, like that's helped me so much. And, um, you know, he, he, uh, he's one of those guys, he's so good at that. He almost doesn't understand that us normal folks can have problems. And, uh, we were on these pretty squirrely colts and one guy said, you know, anytime we'd pick up the reins, he'd be like, don't you pull on my horse? Like, and I'm like, but I need control. Um, and one guy said, I'm sorry, but what do I do if he bucks? And he was like, Why would he buck? You know, he's only gonna do it if you give him a reason to. And that is true. That's what happened. We all got thrown off <laughs> in that clinic. Everyone <laughs> hit the ground. I got yeeted right into a post. But each time it happened because we tensed up. So there were a couple of times the first few days when um my coat that I was on was really tight and um, where there's like five of us on colts in a round pen and one guy got on too rough and his colt didn't, you know, didn't like it and took off bucking. And so then two other guys, horses started bucking. And I just remembered being visible, be invisible, be invisible. Be invisible. <laughs> and I tell you what, I survived that, you know, I just melted in that saddle and I was like, this is my only choice. I have to just go with him. And he darted here and there and then he, he never even tried it and it takes a great deal of skill to get to that point. Um, I went home and decided not to edit my groundwork. I will be doing much more groundwork than we did at that clinic, but (laughs) that lesson was so strong of, man, that colt had every reason to buck. It was his second or third ride. Everyone else in the round pen was bucking, and he had every reason to do it, and he didn't because I stayed frosty. Like I was just like, I just, I did not give him any reason to. I didn't grip with my legs. I didn't tense up. I didn't pull on him. I just melted in that saddle and went with him. And it was like, it was a huge, like, light bulb moment for me.
2: Yeah. And it's its interesting how, particularly if you get to go to clinics, either auditing or riding, we can take little bits and pieces like that. Like, okay, you learned that. You participated in it. You did it. You succeeded at it and you use that nugget to add to your toolbox without necessarily emptying out the toolbox you already had
1: exactly and that's how it works you you get this you get this bag full of not tricks but but tools and usually when i go to a clinic they might teach 70 lessons and usually my brain will hold on to one. And I'm like, man, that was really handy what I learned. And I put that away. And I could go to a clinic with the same clinician in the same exact subject matter where he's teaching the same lessons for years and pick up a new thing each time. And that that's what, that's what we're doing when we're trying to learn with these horses is very rarely have I had to completely wipe the drawing board, you know, clear off. The, the drawing board and start fresh um it's just you add an interesting nugget to your arsenal over time yeah. and you get handier after a while yeah
2: sometimes sometimes you take an old tool out and throw it away and put a new one in its place but you you rarely have to empty out the toolbox
1: yeah well and sometimes i um i'll be at a cl- or working with someone and they'll show the specific thing for a specific horse that worked for that horse. And I might look at it and go, if yeah, that's really cool, I, I'm not going to do that. I don't, that's not really for me that that doesn't fit with what I'm doing. But then four years later, a horse will walk through the door that I'm like, you know what? I think that thing I saw four years ago, that might work for this horse. So it's interesting how, and so, some years I'll be really into one concept and then I'll just kind of throw it away for
2: a little while. <laughs> I always, I always attributed that to, to lack of focus,
1: Mary. <laughs> no, no. I think having an ADD brain really helps me be a good horse trainer. <laughs> well, it, I, at least I hope useful. it can be use. It
2: can be very useful. Well, speaking speaking of tools in your toolbox, uh, some of the tools in our toolboxes is tack. And I have a question for you because horse people collect things and tack is one of the things they collect. How many cinches does Mary have? I'm no, I know you've counted those, even if you won't count your horses, you know, I haven't
1: counted, but I do have a tack room full and kind of like with the, uh, training tidbits you get. There's some I use every day and some I haven't used in a couple of years. Um, But I have several different sizes because, you know, sometimes I'm riding a little pony and they need a 28-inch girth. And sometimes I'm riding my big obese quarter horse and he needs uh, a 34-inch girth. Um, (laughs) So I've, I've I've got a handful. You've got a handful. Well, I suggest
2: if you haven't done so already, you ought to get a handful of the shoulder relief cinch from Total Saddle Fit because it comes in all the sizes. Yay! Yay, and it comes in all the materials. You can get one cinch in whatever size you want, and the liners are removable. So you can have the felt liner, you can have the neoprene liner, and you can have just the liner you need. And you can even get it in synthetic if you don't want to have leather around your barn if you live in a moldy climate like I do in Florida. And the best part is the Total Saddle Fit products all come with a 90-day return if you buy directly from totalsaddlefit.com, who is the inventor and manufacturers, you get 90 days to use it, to use it every day if you choose to, because unlike those other companies, it's not a case of, oh, you need to wrap it in cotton wool before you use it and it can't have any marks on it. Nope. They are so confident that you will love the total, Total Saddle Fit shoulder relief cinch for your horse that even if you use it for 89 days and then return it, you still get your money back. So check them out today. It's totalsaddlefit.com. There you go. It's another tool in your toolbox. So we've got time for one more question from one of our auditor listeners. What's it going to be?
1: Oh man, let's see here. Uh, These are so good. Um... Ooh, there's lots of good
2: ones in here. Yeah. Do you have
1: one you want to go for?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I like this one. Karen Chatton sent this one in. Anytime you want to talk about solutions for a head tosser. Ooh, it's more of a head slinger. He doesn't do it in the ring. Only when he's heading home and wants to go faster then I will let him for his current fitness level. Ooh, I could see how
1: this could uh, circle back a little bit on some stuff that we've talked about. I think this works. Yeah, this goes right into that theme. Um, So first with a head tosser, um, you want to eliminate any kind of health issues um, that might be occurring. Um, So, There is a condition, and I forgot what it's called. There's a condition a horse can have, and I know light can affect it, where um, they're in pain and they're tossing their head because of that. And if he's fine in the ring where maybe it's darker and he's, doing it more outside it it might it might be nothing it might be something that you consider so that's i and i cannot remember i think it's head shaking syndrome yes head shaking syndrome
2: which is very confusing and nobody's too sure Uh, it could be this it's probably that that's a toughie and that's generally it's something that the horse has all of the time whether they're fast slow whatever gate rain contact no rain contact is what's that associated with it. But you're right. One of the things that they say, light has something to do with it. And they're, after that, it's it's a, a guessing game, what's going to work for your horse. Um, but which I'm sure Karen has probably checked into with with, with her horse who's a head to toss her. But you're right. You want to make sure that you eliminate physical stuff, head shaking syndrome, right. teeth that are bad, thing, bit that doesn't yes. fit. Check off all those yeah. things first. And once you've done that, Then what?
1: Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, I did did want to mention the teeth as well because they can get sharp points. And uh, when they close their mouth on the bit or they get contact from the bit that, you know, can dig into their, the the sides of their mouth and cause a lot of pain. So just, you know, double check that. Um, Every six months really is good for teeth. And I've had horses where I had one dentist that did not do a thorough job, um, uh, and I had a horse toss in his head, but I'm like, "Buddy he had his teeth done a few months ago. So it's not that? Well, turns out it was. He was very ulcerated on the sides of his mouth. When I switched dentist, the problem started going away. so so just had to get that out there. Um so, The other reasons a horse could be tossing his head, it sounds like it's very much related to anxiety. He's comfortable uh, when he's in the ring, but when he, you know, when he wants to go home, he wants to go faster. So you pick up on the reins and he tosses his head. So this is a horse that if I was working with, um, I would practice a lot of these at home so that I'm more successful when I'm on the trail. So doing a lot of the lateral exercises I suggested um, for Carly and as part of a training tip can help this a lot. Get him soft on, on one rein at a time and teach him when you soften to that bit, you soften that jaw, you relax, um, you give me that lateral bend, you drop your pole just a little bit, then I will release you. So that is the answer to that. And then once you're pretty good laterally, you can start practicing picking up both reins and asking him to soften into that bridle. If he doesn't know how to do that, then when he gets nervous and then you pick up on the bridle to ask him to slow down, it can result in this coming up above the bit and tossing their head. Um, so, so practicing this in a comfortable setting in the arena, um, doing lots of softening, uh, both laterally and vertically can help achieve, uh, help prevent the head tossing on the trail. But let's say you're on the trail. What do I do? He's tossing his head. He wants to go home faster than I want him to go home. Um, so instead of trying to pull back on both reins, which can cause this kind of, Get you know, tug of war of he's going to toss his head and kind of blow through that bridle and you're going to pull harder and he's going to pull harder and it's just going to be a mess. Um, you can do um, lateral on the way home. So as I'm going down the trail, if I've got one that's too uh, quick and he wants to run home, I can't trick him into thinking he's not going home. He's going to feel, you know, like, man, I can't wait to get home. So, But what I can do is put all that energy to good use. And I like to serpentine down the trail, left and right. Let's go around these trees. And um, that can help stop the head tossing. He might still be a little anxious, but that can help start slowing him down, softening him up. He's going to have to work harder on the way home by doing circles and serpentines and figure eights and, you know, let's figure let's figure eight around this grove of trees for a little bit and then continue on our way. So doing that kind of lateral work can really help prevent the head tossing. Um and then if you're doing that, as you're doing that, you're serpentining down the trail, if he kind of goes oh, and he stops tossing his head and fighting you and he starts slowing down, then I'll say, okay, now you can walk a straight line to home. And when I put him back on the straight line, he might go a few strides and then go, we are almost home and start speeding up again. I'll just say, Hey, let's go back to that serpentine figure eight, soften to my legs, soften to my reins. And that way what you're doing is he's still going towards where he wants to go. So he doesn't have so much anxiety. It's not like you turned him around and went the other way, which for some horses, that might just really overwhelm them because they thought they were going home and now they're not. And now they're really going to freak out. So you're still getting there. So you can calm his fears about not being able to go home, um, but you can get them to work on softness. It's much easier to get them to soften to one rein than it is to get them to uh, soften on to both reins yeah. when they're it's al- anxious, it's
2: almost like they. If they're high energy, it's almost as if you're if you're using both reins, or if you're pushing them straight into the bridle versus laterally towards the bridle, it's almost as if they become like a tightened spring, and it gets worse. Yeah, and it worse. <laughs>
1: and worse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, and that's yeah. where you'll get this kind of jigging and Pasifino yeah. gait, even though yeah. you're not riding a Pasafino. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I've I've experienced this a lot
2: and it's it's all too common and it's it's only again I'm getting smarter in my older age because I get to talk to lots of people who are smarter than me There's two ingredients here. There's the ingredient of excess energy. He wants to do more than his fitness level Um allows him to or is appropriate for him And then you have the other ingredient is I want to go home So sorting out which is the predicator, is it because he wants to go home or is it because he has too much energy? If it's more that he has too much energy, perhaps when he's doing trail work, don't go go so far from home. Instead of going six miles out and six miles back, which if you're an endurance horse is peanuts, do two miles out, trot out, walk back, trot out, walk back until you get all your miles in. So that helpful, maybe he'll help him rewire his brain a little bit that I'm not, I'm using up the energy I need, but I'm walking towards the barn again and again and again. And there's no point in hurrying along because I'm going to walk back to the barn, but I get to go trot back out again. So maybe the stress of not being able to use up that energy will be lessened a little bit. Um, and one of the things that I found was very, very useful with Nigel in particular, because when I got him, is if I rode him away from home, took him somewhere else to ride and he was all amped up. He thought maybe he was going to go for a race or I don't know, whatever it was. But it, this happened away from home. So that was an energy issue. Um, trying to get him to walk flat-footed, four-beat walk, created the tightened spring syndrome in that it just got worse and worse and worse until it became a bucking fit. So that's not an option. Um, And the head tossing was mixed in there too, by the way. There was plenty of head tossing. So what I did is, okay, you need to trot. We're going to trot. We're going to trot in a pee-off. We're going to trot in a collected trot. And if that caused head tossing, we would trot in a collected trot and a shoulder in and then a leg yield and then a shoulder in and then a haunches in and then a leg yield. So he could use up tons and tons of energy while still going the same speed as all the other horses were going at a walk. I got a lot of raised eyebrows. (laughs) And and when it got really bad, I even let him canter. You know, if you need to canter, you're still going to go the same speed as everybody else. You're just going to do it cantering. And that way I was able to not get into the um, the pushing and shoving match. It wasn't, I'm you must walk. It's like, I can't, I can't. My brain has to use energy up. Okay, we can jig, we can trot, we can canter, and we can do it sideways. So again, tons of energy being expelled, but he wasn't going off into the sunset at a mad dash. And a- I found that after... Oh, about a dozen different rides in groups of riders where this would happen. He he kinda took a deep breath, went, Oh. And what happens now is he walks 90 miles an hour, but he walks.
1: <laughs> hey, that's something.
2: Yeah. And I can let the reins loose. It's not, I'm not forcing him to walk. He's just, okay, I have to walk, but because what's the point otherwise I have to jig sideways and use a ton of energy? I don't want to do that because in their, deep down in their soul, they do want to conserve energy. But he also wants to be in the front, but now he does it at a walk. So it's, it was a, a happy, um, trade off okay you need to use up energy but you can use it up at a walk but that might be something interesting to try out and back and out and back and out and back and out and back and see if that doesn't help him go oh we're not really going anywhere are we
1: (laughs) we're just going down the street moments where the horse kind of has this like wee feeling um i try to um yeah think of it as an opportunity like man you've got all this energy well i wanted to work on our leg yields let's do that. Um, I, uh, I was asking a a guy, a reigning trainer, um, about, I had taken my horse Guthrie to his first extreme cowboy race and I didn't, he was three at the time. So I didn't want to like try to win it and run as fast as we could. He'd only just started showing. So I didn't want to blow him up mentally, but I wanted to do the course at a, a pretty good hand gallop Um, and he did really well and he, you know, he's a little strong, but he stayed with me. But when I looked at the video, he was flagging his tail like a danged Arabian. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you're, you had too much fun doing this. Um, and so I knew that if I showed him in the performance events, he's going to have to do a few of them at a gallop. And I don't want him to be out of control and really anxious. And I asked him like, what do you do for that? And he said he would take his horses to like a local racetrack. Um, and, uh, work them at work him at a gallop on the track. And he wouldn't just like, let him go and say, you know, run into oblivion. He'd make him go on, you know, like you're running a large, fast raining circle. So it's a, it's a controlled gallop. And obviously if your horse is not a fit to do this, don't do it. But, but it did help me figure out how to get my horse to think of this gate as a job and not, Hey, we're just going to go, you know, balls to the wall, crazy doing this. Um, and so he would go around and the horse, you know, the first couple laps, the horse would be like, yeah, we're galloping. This is what I wanted to do. And then after a while, and that footing's pretty deep after a while, the horse is like, Okay, you know, the galloping was fun, but I'm, I'm done. And he would say, go another lap. And then after another lap, this horse was like, no, no, really, really, if, if you would like to walk, I'm totally for walking. And he'd say, you know, well, why don't you keep galloping just a little longer? And, you know, he wouldn't push the horse to the brink, like he's not going to exhaust the horse or do anything that's harmful. You know, you know, you need to know where the line is to where you, you know, it's going to cause injury um, or not be healthy for your horse. Um, but he he would push them past that point where they're like, yeah, going nuts like a, you know, like a chihuahua on speed. Um, and then after a while, the horse is like, you know, the gallop isn't really all that fun. Like, I'll do it, but it's not as a Exciting as I, I thought it would be. And then he'd say, okay, now you can walk. And they're like, oh, thank God I get to walk. <laughs> and so, and his horses, when I watched them there, they would have this really powerful gallop in the show pin, but they are so focused and they know this is just a gate like any other, this is part of my job. Um, so obviously, you know, if your horse is not fit to do that, you don't want to just run them. Um, but, you, using ways to conserve that energy, like like you were explaining, um, like I will uh, sometimes I'll let them trot forward um, in a controlled way, and then once we get a little ways down the trail, especially like if your horse likes to be at the front of all the other horses, I'll say, okay, go ahead and trot to the front, and then once they get to the front, while I'm waiting for my buddies to catch up, let's do some figure eights, let's do some lateral, let's do some side passing, let's weave around these trees until That's my really buddies beautiful. pass me yeah Yeah. yeah, and so all you're doing is just taking that energy and saying hey i needed to work on this anyway let's put it to work and then the horse kind of goes oh man maybe i don't want to do that after all yeah i and
2: you you just put a a nugget in my head next month when we do our show in march let's chat a little bit about galloping oh yes good one i think that's a i think it's a a trouble spot for a lot of horses and a lot of humans. So we'll talk a little bit about galloping, what it is, why it's useful, how to develop that skill and have it a useful skill versus, ah, yeah, I like it. Cool. Well, I think that's going to be a wrap about wrap it up for today. Uh, For folks who want to appropriately stalk you online, uh, chat with you about training horses their, of their own, chat with you about finding horses that have been trained that they want to take home and have their very own, doing clinics, uh, all your cool artwork, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where do they find you?
1: You can find me online, Horsemanship.com, And I am under, I'm at Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you type in Mary Horsemanship in the search, you should be able to find me there. And uh those are probably the best three sources. There we go. And what about your artwork stuff? It has its own spot, doesn't it? Oh yeah, that is Troublemaker Trading Company. So we do all sorts of crazy things, jewelry, artwork, um everything. In fact, I need to update the site because I'm coming up with a bunch of cool fun new products. So those will be online um and we do custom work as well. So need custom jewelry or anything like that just get in touch
2: there we go we will be back again tomorrow tomorrow's friday that means it's bad ads day so glenn and jamie jamie will be back again tomorrow with lots of fun and hijinks if you have not done so already you need to download the horse radio network app for your iphone or your android just go to your app store and search horse radio network it's free and easy to use and if you've done it already Go to your friends and gently and quietly, without making eye contact, take their phone from them and download it for them if they're not tech savvy. So until next month, Mary, we'll see you later, eh? All
1: right. See ya.